Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson. Wow, welcome to podcast number 202. Got my own intro there. That's very impressive. Uh, we're flying this plane without our uh, normal pilot, John Davis, today, and uh, helping me get through this. Uh, is our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hey, guys. Uh, the pride of Western Pennsylvania, Joe Ligo. Good to be here. And new guy, Kyle Scanlon. How's everybody doing? Yeah, Why welcome don't you to tell your Tell us podcast. a little bit about yourself, Kyle. Uh, I've been working in automotive television for about a decade now, multiple different television shows. Um, some of you probably heard of, things like Overhaul and Inside West Coast Customs. A lot of shows where we took cars apart and put them back together. And it's a lot of fun to be here with you guys and just being able to test the cars and not having to inventory every nut and bolt on a vehicle. So, right on. Very exciting. Welcome, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looks, looks like we'll have the usual uh, rundown of some road test cars, lightning round viewer questions, ran rave. Let's start off with the 2020 Jeep Gladiator, uh, which I'm the only one that's driven. So, I'll uh, give a rundown on that. Basically, uh, how it's, was it? It's more than just a Wrangler with a bed on it. They did take the uh, front uh, suspension of the Wrangler, front part of the frame, uh, front cab. The grill is uh, wider. Uh, the slots are wider to allow more air in. For uh, I can, We'll get to that later. Um, then they lengthened the frame, put most of the Ram 1500 suspension back there. Um, so it's more than just a Wrangler. It's... With that uh, frame lengthening and with that suspension, it'll tow 7,650 pounds, which is more than anything else in the midsize class. Uh, All four doors, all with a five-foot bed, all four-wheel drive, three different roofs, the uh, soft top, Hmm. freedom top, hard top. All the doors are removable, just like the Wrangler. And it's Um, only four-door configurations. Yes. Uh, and three trim level sport overland and of course rubicon the rubicon comes with uh, all the same hardware as the wrangler rubicon 33 standard 35s will fit without any modifications they even made room in the spare tire uh, place for 35s sweet uh, nice any questions so what's it like to drive it feels more like a ram 1500 than it does a wrangler really uh, it feels super substantial and, uh, yeah, that's why they allowed for additional cooling is to be able to tow that much. The same engine, Pentastar V6, that's in the Wrangler. Uh, there will be a diesel somewhere down the road. Uh, no exact date on that yet. I've been seeing some rumors floating around um, just this week that uh, – and I was wondering if you heard anything. Apparently, allegedly, somebody in Chrysler said that the um, that the Hellcat motor will fit in the Wrangler uh-huh. and Gladiator as well. I don't know if that's an official statement, but a lot of Jeep uh, websites have been quoting that. Sounds like a great way to roll a Jeep. Yeah, I yeah. think there's already been spy shots of one with with it in there, right? Or at least a at least well, a V8. I don't know if it. I mean, you can one off anything, but yeah. but it sounded like there was plans. Yeah, and I they didn't, didn't tell know us. Yeah, yeah, they didn't tell us anything about that. Well, cool. that's how, that's how it is with any release of like a new product, right? They they release it and then they trot out after 2 or 3 years they trot out new engines to keep the excitement up. Yeah, so, exactly. I assume that's what they'll do with the diesel and that kind of stuff. 
So did you guys do any towing tests since you said it does tow the like this tows more than Ranger, Colorado, those those all trucks? the above, yeah. And it it's uh I think the Wrangler the best you can get is thirty five hundred, so it's quite a leap up wow. from that. But they had stuff there to tow, boats, uh, camping trailers, and stuff like that. We never made it over there. Uh, we focused on the off-road course, did a lot. We had a Rubicon there and spent a bunch of time uh, doing this. some good footage. Be sure to check out the test. It was uh, super rainy out there while we were there off and on, so uh, it was a muddy mess. But the uh, Rubicon had no problem at all with it. Uh, one more question. Yes, sir. Did you get a chance to sit in the back seat? I did. Same exact uh, amount of space that's in the Wrangler four-door. Pretty, that, like, really uncomfortable, almost 90-degree so, angle. Uh, there may be a little more rake in uh, in it. I'm not sure. Legroom is the same, but obviously the back cab, you know, behind it is different. Uh, plenty of room. It's still hard to get into. You know, those rear doors are, are narrow. narrow. Yeah. But once you're in there, I thought it was a fair amount of room. Cool. The... Uh, since everyone can take the doors and roof off, they have uh, a lockable storage bin under the seat bottoms, and then also the seat backs themselves lock into place with the key, so you can throw stuff back there. And oh, that's a neat addition. Hmm. Not sure how many people are going to take all the doors and roofs off. Nah. But you can, which no other truck you can do. Hmm. Right? Cool. Well, I can't wait till we get one in here at our headquarters for prolonged testing. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely excited to drive that. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool truck. Like I say, if, after driving, it felt more like a Ram 1500 to me than a Wrangler, which, uh, you know, I think is pretty, pretty big deal. I was going to say, that's a good thing. We like the Ram 1500. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a truck guy anyways, so I'll be excited to see how it feels compared to my truck. Yeah, all four-wheel drive. Uh, all uh, You can get the six-speed manual standard, eight-speed auto, two-grand option. Six-speed truck, look out. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think, does anybody else offer a manual trans in that? I guess Tacoma probably still does, but I don't think Ranger does, right? You were on the Ranger Ranger trip. does not. Yeah. Is that a six-speed on all trims? Can you get a Rubicon six-speed, or is that just like a... Yep. That's cool. Uh, nice. All right, moving on. Next car, 2019 Mazda 3. Uh, Kyle, tell us about that one. Well, uh, Mazda was nice enough to fly me out to Tahoe to drive their new Mazda 3. And for the first time ever, they have their iActive all-wheel drive system available for the Mazda 3. And I got to take it out on the snow course uh, with the front-wheel drive version as well as the all-wheel drive. And I can tell you, they did a great job putting that all-wheel drive system in there. The The front-wheel drive version was pushing through corners and trying to get from a dead stop to moving just a little bit up a hill was... It was definitely taxing on that vehicle, but then you jump in the all-wheel drive system and almost felt like, you know, you're in an SUV in, in a way. You could just get going from a dead stop, no problem, and you really wanted to. You know, you can blip the throttle a little bit and get the rear end out and have some fun in it. And actually, I used to have a Speed 3 back when I was in college, so oh, nice. haven't been in a Mazda hatchback since I had that vehicle. And it was, you know, very reminiscent. Obviously, it didn't have the six-speed and the turbocharger like my Speed 3 did back in the day. But it was still a blast to drive. Got to drive through the hills and uh, get on the freeway between Tahoe and Sacramento. And, you know, little buggy gets up and gets going when you want it to. And I can tell you, with myself and my driving partner that we had out there, we had a lot of luggage, and it all fit very well. So the storage space in the hatchback is great. It's definitely something that you can, you know, go on a big Christmas shopping trip and on the holiday season and pack all your bags in there and have no problem seeing out the back. 
So that was nice. I, I was going to say, so if you had a friend who was shopping for a compact SUV, you know, they're looking at Crosstrek, they're looking at Escape, that kind of stuff. Would you suggest this maybe in lieu of an SUV? Um, it, I think it just depends more on your style choice because, uh, you know, with those compact SUVs, they're higher off the ground. And, uh, but, you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers for cubic feet of storage, but when it comes to the hatchback and other compact SUVs that I've been in, I'd say they're pretty darn close. Yeah, I think the Mazda 3 already hauls more than the CX-3 SUV, right? I believe I think so, there's yeah. more room in there than, than yeah. Uh, sedan as well with all-wheel drive or just that? Uh, the sand- sedan, yes, it also comes with all-wheel drive. Those are options. They don't come standard, so you have to end up getting upwards of the, you know, the select and the premium packages and stuff. They do offer a six-speed, but not in any of the higher trim levels and not in the all-wheel drive. So hopefully that'll be something that comes in the future because that hatchback with a six-speed in the all-wheel drive system would be an absolute blast. Hmm. They probably won't. It'll probably be front-wheel drive only. Yeah, mm. Probably. No words on a new Speed 3? Not, nope. They, they had all the engineers out there, and, you know, over dinner I tried to get some information out of them, and they would not tell me anything. Ah. Well, we can hope. It's interesting. I, I mean, I, I guess that's what manufacturers are going to have to do, put all-wheel drive in, in everything if they want to sell cars anymore to keep people out of crossovers, I'm imagining. Hmm. What do you think, Benny D? You're just kinda sitting there ready to fall asleep. St- I'm trying to keep <laughs> it away from I think you got a strong point there, my friend. Um I've, yeah, and back to Speed 3, uh, if they threw a turbocharger on there with the manual trans, if it did happen, uh, it's, you know, some competition that WRX, I mean, WRX to me, I mean, not to drift off concept, <laughs> off of uh, off the point here, but they left a gap there. I mean, they had the ball, they dropped, uh, yeah. did they drop the ball? I'm going to say they did. <laughs> I, I, saw, that ball back I saw an STI this weekend with a baby on board sticker on it. I thought, oh. I was like, the revolution is officially over. Yeah. Like What's teenage. We've all gotten I have nothing wrong now. with kids. Kids are great. But I just, the idea that like, <laughs> I don't know. There's just some. I've had my kid in a lot of cool cars. I mean, what's wrong with hauling your kids around in a cool car? I don't is think of, I don't think of, I don't think that STI, I don't think STI owners in like parenthood go together. I don't know. It just, it's still, right. you think of, yeah, well, yeah. Wow. You thinking the Zach type? Yeah, STI? I'm thinking like our our, our former co- colleague Zach Maskell. He's the STI type. Uh, he would probably think that Zach hates the STIs and WRXs. He would probably think that that's more of a a baby toting. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe he's glad to see that. Maybe because he's what he's more of a Mitsubishi guy, anyways, or Nissan. But I, now we're really off subject. I'm yeah, sorry. Anyone out there with a baby on board sticker in their car? Uh, sorry that joke I just, just offended ex- you. I expect to see that on like a Pacifica or an Equinox or something. Come not on, on man. not a WRX. Come on, mm-hmm. Come on. yeah. Moving on. Take it as it. the joke that it is. It's funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> Kia Nero. Uh, we started out as a hybrid, then they had the plug-in hybrid, which we currently have in our long-term fleet, and now they have a full EV. Uh, who wants to uh, talk about that one? All right, I'll, I'll talk about Joseph. <laughs> Joe's ready. I am. Uh, I'm sad that Greg's not here uh, because he drove it a lot too. But yeah, I, it's been interesting to see the evolution of the Nero, and I had some quality time with the Nero EV and. I think of the three Nero variants, this one's the most fun. It's the has the best acceleration. Uh, 
I think that handling wise, you know, the big battery pack, low center of gravity, maybe makes it a little more of a tighter handler. Although, you know, it still has cheap or not cheap, but it still has high efficiency tires on it. So, you know, it doesn't have a ton of grip or anything. They smoke them. All, they smoke off at the track too. In the, oh yeah, in the sport mode. You're not to mention it's a couple hundred pounds heavier due to all the battery weight. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, we were able to take it to the track and run a a side-by-side acceleration test with our long-term Nero plug-in hybrid. So we had the Nero EV and the Nero PHEV side-by-side, and they're close to the same color. But you can see in the road test when it comes out, we have footage of the two side-by-side. And and they started off close together, but the the all-electric pulled away. After, after only after a couple of feet, yeah. Right, it just whoosh. in a smoky, <laughs> it's burnt out. Yeah, nice. and so no, it's it was a uh, definitely a cool car to get to drive. I think it's surprising that Hyundai Kia is coming out with so many you know two hundred plus mile EVs, whereas you would think that like Toyota or Honda or any of these other automakers would be diving into the EV game before Hyundai and Kia, but they've really got a. I think a a good head start on some of the car companies that are bigger than them. Yeah, it's the same powertrain that's in the Kona, Hyundai Kona, and also Soul EV now as well, I believe. And shares some componentry with like the Ionic and stuff like that. Even though the sure Ionic are. EV is a way less range, hmm. but yeah, I I just find it interesting that Hyundai Kia are in the EV game more so than I mean they sell they offer more EVs than GM does. I find it Ionic. <laughs> don't you think no. but uh it's got a new front end on it because they moved the charge plug to the front um to allow for the like dc fast charge plug and you don't need a grill to cool the engine since there's no engine in there anymore other than that it's pretty much the same inside i guess it's got a little electronic shift rotary shifter and a little mm-hmm. more room in the center column yeah. or center uh, console you guys just did that EV road trip, Kyle. Did, uh, did you drive that one at all? Uh, no, I drove uh, the Nissan Leaf the right. entire time. How would you um, compare it to the original uh, mass market EV? Um, you know, a lot more bells and whistles. Obviously, the uh, you know the range is much better. Um, it was a long trip. We had a total of I think somewhere upwards of eight hundred miles in two and a half days. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was my first actually long-term exposure to any EV. So I had fun with the instant torque, uh, for sure. You can get, you know, zero to 30, zero to 40, pretty darn quick. And it's fun to pass someone, you know, when you're legally allowed to, of course, but, uh, very quietly and very quickly. Yeah. Very quietly, very sneaky, sneaky car. So, uh, I had a lot of fun with it. And again, we, you know, the trip we went on, I was able to store a lot of camera gear, uh, a lot of other stuff in the back. Again, I always go towards what, how much storage the car has. Cause I'm a fisherman. So I'm always driving around with a lot of gear to go on my vacations and weekend trips and whatnot. So it, um, it was a very competent vehicle. I can definitely say that. Yeah, and yeah. that'll that'll be on Motor Weekend, and pretty soon is the what EV yeah. road trip. Had yeah. the Leaf and the we, Nero EV, and what was the last? The one? Chevy Bolt. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so that'll be a cool video to see. No price on the Nero yet, but I'm I'm almost positive they're going to price it right at what thirty seven to keep keep it right around the Bolt, and then have it under thirty with all the tax credits. But you know, we don't know for sure on that yet. But I'm sure they'll want to keep it uh, price uh, price close to the Bolt. Um, yeah, maybe a little more than the Kona EV. What's that go for? That I don't know the exact yeah. price of, but I remember reading somewhere that they expect you know the analysis they're expecting the Nero to be slightly more expensive because it's a little bit bigger. 
room right room wise yeah we struggle well at least me personally probably more than everybody else calling they calling the nero a crossover they call it a crossover i consider it more just a wagon i'm not sure but anyway tall hatch yeah the but there's still a ton of storage space it's only one cubic foot less uh cargo i guess the rear floor is just a tiny bit higher so still plenty practical as kyle was saying Mm -hmm. yeah cool uh anything else on any of our uh road test cars before we move on no, I think I'm ready, man. What are you ready for? I'm ready to get in this lightning round. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and I actually got the bell today, so All right. I'm on top of things. Uh, well, here is our lightning round question, and it's a long one, so bear with me. Volvo recently made headlines with their plan to include in-car cameras facing the driver to detect intoxicated or distracted driving. The system, paired with other driver inputs, will monitor behavior and safely slow or stop the vehicle if it detects that the driver is drowsy, distracted, or under the influence. The system will debut sometime in the early 2020s and is part of Volvo's plan to one day have zero fatalities in Volvo vehicles. What do we think? Who wants to go first? Ben, you said you were ready. Yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready first. I don't like this whole... uh this whole uh, driver distraction kind of monitoring system lately because I seem to set it off all the time for, uh, I guess, when I'm in the car, I'm zoning out, and I've got a couple of nervous ticks, and it'll, uh, <laughs> it'll like, read that as, like, me not paying attention. And, you know, it's no big deal. The thing pops up a couple of times. But, man, if it started to try to shut me down, I would, I'd have to get it reprogrammed to be like, hey, I'm weird. This needs a little... Uh, <laughs> Need some Benny D filter on. Yeah. I'm, I'm not falling asleep. I'm just squinting. I like picking my nose, really? That, that's going to shut it down? Who's All next? Right. All right. I guess I'll go next. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with hard no on this one. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan. Uh, maybe I just have trust issues. I don't know. It took me until this year to finally use a fingerprint scanner to unlock a phone. So Now your fingerprint's out exactly, there, Exactly, exactly. You know, so I'm... Um, and the thing is, like Ben said, everyone drives differently. So the fact that they're going to have this one set of rules that everyone has to adhere to in order to be, quote, a safe driver, I just don't think it adds up. I, I, I don't like it. they got to figure it out. Figure it out. I'm, I'm curious if this is going to, like in the 70s when emissions gear came out and it caused the prices of used cars to rise because they were so much better than the post-emissions cars. Mm-hmm. I think, are we going to have a post safety pre-safety <laughs> like bump and you like is is like 2015 going to be considered the golden year for used cars because nobody's going to want these new cars with all the safety tech i don't know i it's a big brother thing but then at the same time i'm driving home last night and i get passed by a guy going 80 who's facetiming somebody while he drives oh. on his phone mm. so some, yeah, sorry about that <laughs> I was gonna say, some something's got to give because either we need to get people to drive safer or we – I don't know. I don't like being spied on, but I also don't want to get hit by a guy FaceTiming his girlfriend while he drives. Just get How a paintball, girlfriend? paintball gun, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot uh, a couple paintballs across that guy's yeah, window. Yeah, I'm sure that will go well. <laughs> I'm not sure this is anything new. I think Mercedes has had the cameras in theirs for a while. Well, I think I think it's the difference between sensors and full-on video cameras. And, like Volvo wants uh, to record you. Yeah. And the Subarus has facial recognition software and the camera as well. Because I had a problem with that in the Forester. Every time you like, reach up to adjust the mirror, it's like 
keep both hands on the wheel, please, or something like that. It gave me like some warning. The issue here is that it would slow you, you or stop you. Are you coming in on my time here? I, I got 30 oh, seconds. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. dude. I thought you were no, I was messing with I you. I can give you another 30 if no, you want. No, I'll Yeah, I, that is an issue, but I'm sure it pulls you off the road first, right? Just like the autonomous driving things will. I don't have time yeah. for that, man. <laughs> it's like you have a dead, lifeless expression on your face. Oh, no, he just looks like that all the time. <laughs> But uh, the end result is, I mean, all this stuff's coming, whether we want it to or not, and safety sells. So, I mean, the more safety stuff, we may not like it because we're enthusiastic drivers, but majority of the people out there, you know, you put the safety tag on it, and they, and they want as much as possible. Yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. I just, I'm going to stay out of Volvos then, I guess. I don't want the government getting video on my Are face. Are taking another thing? They so? already, yeah. All right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up. Uh, they already have, the government already has video of your face, Joe. I'm pretty sure of that. I guess I picked the wrong If you've ever sat down yeah. at a computer with a camera on it, then they've yeah. already got you. Don't worry. Moving on to our viewer question. Uh, this is from Ben. Not me. Glass of you. Nice of you to email in, Ben. I own a 2006 Lexus GS with over 100,000 miles and have maintained it through a local Lexus dealer. Is there any advantage to having cars serviced at a dealer versus an independent garage? Dealers offer the promise of factory original parts and expertise, but that seems to come with premium pricing. Is it worth it? What do you think, Ben? This would be a question right up your alley, even though it's from you. Well, so you just dealt with this with your Wrangler. I would say uh, that there would be. If, let, let's say, let's say the premise is this: that um, you have the Lexus with um, dealer maintenance throughout its whole life, and somebody else has the same Lexus with independent garage maintenance its whole life. Let's say if that independent garage was a specialist garage that specializes in Lexus, and your entire service history was done at that garage then I would call that a lateral playing field, if not maybe a slight advantage toward the uh, independent garage that specializes in Lexus. But if you were comparing it to uh, another Lexus that had scattered garage maintenance history, not necessarily one place, but all over the place, um, then clearly in a resale uh, perspective, in a resale point of mind, that that dealer-serviced Lexus is going to be uh, uh, more desirable. So retail value, if that's, resale value if, speaking, if, he if, should if, stick with the. If that's if that's what he's if that's yeah re, yeah in a resale minded <laughs> situation. If you're, shopping, if you're shopping for a used car, if you see it was serviced at the same dealer its entire life, and you have the full records versus shade tree mechanic type yeah. stuff, you're going to trust yeah. the dealer service. Exactly, car. it looks better. That being said, I would trust an independent specialist more so than a dealer. But Where dealer, you know the guy. You know, like by name and stuff. Yeah, because they tend to do only stuff that's necessary, and you know, they've. Yeah, yeah there's. That's a whole nother question. <laughs> I, I will say, finding a good mechanic is one of the hardest. A good doctor, a good dentist, and a good mechanic are like the three hardest things to do when you move. Don't and forget a good tattoo artist. <laughs> it's only going to get harder guy. because I mean, there's so little maintenance that needs to be done on cars now. I mean, it's hard for shops to stay open when cars go 15,000 miles with oil changes now. And you they, need don't, all kinds they of don't need tune-ups for 100,000 miles. I mean, the only thing they can do anymore is, like, brakes, oil changes. It's Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other question, too. Really? I mean, you think that they're only doing these 15,000-mile intervals because uh, 
that's what the EPA wants them to say, you know? Uh, for, no, you're talking about for I oil. think the oil technology has yeah. gotten way better, and the tolerances in the engines have gotten way, way better to where, and everything's synthetic now. So, oh, good point. Yeah, I think there's, I think on cars, I think there's a break-even point, right? Like I don't know, like first five years at the dealer, first something, and then you know once it gets to a point where it's out of warranty, and you know maybe it becomes your family's second car, or it becomes your kid's car or something, then you're like, okay, well now I can take it to like a local mechanic. I, I, I never go to the dealer, so I guess I'm going to be screwed when I go to sell my vehicles. <laughs> although well, they generally have, have you like? although they generally have 260,000. When miles do you on sell them. cars? <laughs> 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 they usually just get towed away to be donated. Uh, so yeah, and there's the point in the question where you know it says with the premium pricing, that's definitely one of the things you develop a relationship with a mechanic over time, and you know they're willing to not cut corners as in what they're going to do to work on your car, but they'll help you out with the pricing and then you won't spend nearly as much money as you would at the dealership. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying all dealerships not are all shady. Dealers. No, but they're not shady, but there are quite a few of them out there. We've certainly <laughs> experienced that just here in our area with, uh, long-term vehicles we've had and getting, getting them serviced. But yeah, I'm so, not sure that helps you, Ben, but, uh, possibly find a good, uh, Lexus, uh, specialist in your area and go with him and see if the pricing is uh, better than the dealer and go with that. And talk to him. I mean, that's that's a big part of it. Like, actually talk to the people. Hey, yeah, ask questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, does anyone have a rant and or a rave this week? Anybody? Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say with being relatively <laughs> new, new here at Motor with, Week right. and going in and out of so many vehicles... The only headache that I've found is playing the game of where is the push button start in this car. I've had to sit in more than a few cars for 20 to 30 seconds trying to figure out where it is. And it's just it's new to me. So maybe that's, you know, I'll probably get over it pretty soon here, jumping in and out of more vehicles. Well, then you'll get mad when you have to put a key in it. As nice as that thing is, I couldn't believe I had to put a key in that. (laughs) But yeah, I guess that's that's my only part is where's the push button start today? That's a that's a reminds me that the Ram we had in the work truck Ram, mm. it had no it had crank windows and manual manual locks. locks, but it still had a push button start. And I'm sure it's just a cost saving thing. I'm sure it saves Ram money to only build one starter mechanism. But I thought that was really funny. It had manual locks and manual windows and still had a push button start. Just an old school work truck. Mm-hmm. That thing was that thing was neat. I guess we'll wrap it up on that. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for joining us uh, this week. Thank our uh, audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And uh, thank you for tuning in, listening. Be sure to check us out in all the usual places, internets and all that. And uh, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, rockauto.com and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org and watch MotorWeek, television's longest running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.